Welcome everyone, we are about to begin with Hashem Shalom Bayis number 325. We are talking about building your character, building your midas, and how by building yourself, you're building your marriage as well. We're going to discuss today more of the midas. Uh, to work on one of them is self-mastery, as it says, Eza Gibber HaKoyvesh Who is a mighty person? He is one who has self-mastery over himself. And that is a tremendous um, mida in order for us to learn. And every action of self-mastery builds us. And we need to take pride when we're able to do that. We see, for example, in the case by Ruvain, pachas kamayim, because of an impulsiveness, created a great loss to Ruvain. um, And... He said, Pachas Kamayim. And the Rabbi Yochel mentioned that the Torah usually doesn't give metaphors and doesn't give these types of Mishalim. But um, here it's showing us a living reality what impulsive, impulsiveness is. It's like water, that just like water flows quickly, so too the behaviors of a person who acts impulsively. If you don't weigh the consequences of your behaviors, you'll tend to make many harmful mistakes that'll cause a lot of damage. The Torah's metaphor of water serves as a constant reminder of the dangers of being impulsive. So whenever you see water flowing, tell yourself thoughts that will s- slow down your reaction. There's an interesting aside from Rav Yerucham Levavitz. And many people act in ways that are out of sync with their higher nature, um, that even though normally they or Ruchni is the spiritual people, but sometimes they allow their impulse pulses of, at the moment to rule them. And if you're aware of this in yourself, you have to learn how to stop and think what actions or words are the most nourishing for my soul right now. Every act of self-mastery you perform, you're strengthening this Mida, and you should have a Simcha when you have that ability to master that Mida. So as an example, it brings down, I was in the middle of eating supper and my wife asked me to lower the flame under the pot that was cooking on the stove and I went over and lowered the flame. Apparently I didn't lower the flame enough and some of the food got burnt. And my wife came over to the pot and said that lowering the flame means lowering it more than I had done. Do you know what my mother would say about this? My mother commented, what you don't do yourself won't get done. That's what my mother would say. But I won't say it. And I smile to myself because when you quote someone who would say and then say it, what you that you yourself wouldn't say it, that's a form of actually saying it. It's like saying it with quotes. But the bottom line is, is I did appreciate my wife's statement about not really saying it since this relieved the intensity of what was said. And I didn't answer back. And you, you know by, by when you say so-and-so about people who are afraid to say what they want without use of use of quotes, and I didn't, you know, stick that to her. And I felt good that I had the self-discipline not to respond. Perhaps I should feel bad for wanting to say it, but just that shows I'm a human, and this prevents me from having too much pride. By the way, this anecdote shows a very important lesson in life that it's die to understand and learn. We sometimes think things that we shouldn't think. You know, when we get upset, and in our minds we are upset. And 
we need to understand, unless you're a big tzaddik, it's going to happen where you're going to have those impulses in your brain. Like, I, I should have said this. I'll show them and I, I'm going to say this. When you hold back from saying something that's in your mind at the moment that you're upset is a tremendous, tremendous accomplishment. Don't think that you're a bad person because the thought crossed your mind. No, you worked on it. The thought crossed your mind to say something back that's hurtful, but you chose not to. That's self-mastery. You should give yourself credit for it. Down the road, and again, you ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu for it, you hit the point where you go get on the higher madrega where even the thoughts don't come to you. Okay, that's another madrega. But my point being here is you need to really, truly take pride. Dafka, when these thoughts come to you, to have an impulse to say something you shouldn't say, and you hold back and you don't say it, you, tr- you accomplish tremendous things. Another anecdote my spouse would keep telling me that I was clumsy whenever I dropped anything. On a Friday afternoon when preparing for Shabbos, my spouse dropped a large pot and dented it. Although I realized that I could have retaliated by saying, see, you dropped things also. I remained silent. I felt good about the self-discipline, not to say the first thing that came to my mind. So again, I'm going to reiterate this because some people bash themselves for the very fact that those things cross your mind, that ugly thought or that retaliatory thought or that angry thought or that sarcastic thought that enters your mind and you think to yourself, what type of horrible person am I? And some people get discouraged from that and they say, I'm not a good person anyway and I'll say what I'm going to say. A person needs to realize, like the Tanya talks about, almost all of us have two yetzers. Have a Yetzir Toiv, a Yetzir Hara, or a Nefesh Elikis, a godly soul, and a Nefesh Abahamas, an animalistic soul. And they're constantly fighting with one another. So the very fact that, let's say, when your wife dropped the pot and, and bent it, and you had a thought crossing in your mind saying, ah, you drop things too, Miss Know-It-All, or whatever, you, you're telling me not to drop things, you just drop something. And that thought is in your head with all its ugliness. Don't discount the fact that's the Yetzirah talking. That's the Nefesh Bahamas talking. But if I don't say that and I hold myself back and I let it go, first of all, ultimately those thoughts will be elevated. Down the road, you'll start thinking healthier and happier thoughts and those thoughts won't cross your mind as often. But you tr- accomplished a tremendous, a tremendous, a tremendous thing. Now, in these situations, it takes this self-discipline not, not to say an attacking, hurt, hurtful statement. And it requires self-discipline not to say either this, see, I'm not like you. I won't insult you the way you insulted me. That's technically what loisitar is. There's loisitar, I mean loisitar. Loisitar means you're bearing a grudge and then, or you saying, ha, you see, I'm not like you. Because even if you say that, the other person perceives that as an attack. Therefore, when you self-restrain completely and you don't do score-keeping also in marriage, it's very counterproductive to keep a score with your spouse. She did something wrong and then you'll show her or in your brain you mark it off. And it's very important that that discipline is schar in and of itself to a point where you'll feel start feeling better and better and better 
and feel stronger every single time you hold back and realize this, there's no point in me having to say what that, that thing that I was about to say. And that saves many, many uncomfortable or painful situations in marriages. If you remember this, you said, another midah is to forgive and to be forgiving overall as opposed to harboring resentment in the heart. A wise person will forgive instead of har- harboring that burden of resentment. Because what, like we say is, is this resentment is not just or not only hurting the other person, it's hurting yourself even more than it's hurting the other person. When you let go of resentment and you forgive, you're letting go of pain and you're elevating yourself. It's an aspect of spiritual greatness to let go and to forgive. Knowing that forgiving makes you great will make it easier for you to forgive. But even so, forgiving can be difficult. The Mesil Shem says this befeirish and is safer that if if you were hurt and you know if you were hurt it's very hard not to feel a certain you know when the other person that you you have trouble forgiving something negative happens to them it's very hurt, hard for you not to feel good about that or not to forgive him fully but that is what you can do and when your spouse repeats mistakes and sincerely ask forgiveness, you may feel, why, why do I have to keep forgetting, forgiving so many times? The more you forgive, the more you elevate yourself, though. And if someone tries to take advantage of you because of your willingness to forgive, then you have a right to withhold forgiveness. The Chavetz Chaim brings that down, you know, that even in the in the Tzilazaka over there, you know, if someone is a real manipulating person, a narcissist and a manipulator, and says, eh, this person is a softie. So, you know, he'll be Michael me. So I'm going to do this because he'll be Michael me anyway. That, we're not talking about such a person. That, that, that's, that's really a chronic damaging person where you have no chiv to forgive such a person. But most people don't do that. And most people are just regular people with flaws that get hurt people sometimes. But it's very important to learn how to forgive. You don't always want to let go of your resentment, but resentment is very dangerous to keep within you. It's an acid. acid. It wears away at a person. It gives you an illusion of power when you don't want to forgive. I'm in charge. I'm not going to forgive you. And when you let go, it seems like you're weak, but you're not weak. That is a sign of ultimate strength. Of ultimate strength, I mean. Another mida is to admit the truth when you're wrong to say you're wrong instead of denying responsibility. That takes courage. It takes courage to say those three words. I was wrong. It's sometimes so hard for a person to say it. And some people will never say it in their lives. And that's something, it's a mida that they have to uproot. And even people who are honest, very honest, still try to avoid responsibility. And the ironic thing is, is that most people respect you more for having the integrity and the inner strength to admit that you made a mistake. And, and in marriage, it's so important when ultimately there was a fight or disagreement or something, you blew up at your husband or at your wife, whatever it may be, then you hop five minutes later, you calm down a little bit, you say, oh boy, I made a mistake here. To go over to your spouse, your husband and wife, 
and to tell them, you know, I'm sorry about what I just said and what I just did. I got upset. I was wrong. Is a, is a gesture of courage and of love and of shalom. And that is a true, emotionally strong human being. Admitting the truth allows one to have, be emotionally dependent, independent rather, and to develop a certain self-confidence, to be, to be re- recognized that you have that courage to say you were wrong or that you made a mistake, and you're not going to be totally crushed by the fact that you made that mistake. So here's some, an anecdote he says here. He says, I am imperfect. I make mistakes. I sometimes say things I shouldn't, but let's face it. It's not the biggest pleasure in the world to have your right wife remind you of this. When my wife pointed out my imperfections and mistakes, I gave all kinds of reasons why I wasn't at fault. But who am I kidding? My rationalization didn't carry much weight with my wife, and deep down I knew I was wrong. So I was resolved to work on the attribute on being Maidala Emes, acknowledging the truth. At first, this was extremely difficult. I found it unbelievably hard to say, you are right, I made a mistake. However, I realized that this was the right thing to do. I tried to understand myself better. Why did I find it difficult to say when I was wrong? I felt I was lowering myself by doing so. I also felt that if I acknowledge being wrong, my wife will think that I probably was wrong in other situations as well, and therefore I was making myself more vulnerable. That is really very often why a person doesn't like to admit they're wrong. I learned a lesson about how counterproductive it was to deny your mistake, especially when it was obvious to others that you were wrong. A reporter asked a politician during a major election campaign a hypothetical question about what he would do in a certain situation, and his answer implied that he supported and condoned political crime. The opposition attacked him for his statement. He kept saying he was right and saying what he did, but then his own party members challenged him, and the media commentators were universally against him. And since I wasn't involved, I was more objective and could see how how the wisest thing would have been to admit that his response was not thought out and that he made a mistake. Then everyone would have left him alone about the issue. The thought that made it easier for me to admit I was wrong was the awareness that I lost absolutely nothing by doing so. Instead of making myself vulnerable, I saw my wife respected me when I admitted I was wrong. She realized it takes courage to do so. I actually gained in self-esteem by knowing that I had the inner strength to acknowledge my mistakes. Moreover, if I tried to deny my mistakes, my wife would continue to argue that I had made my mistakes. This led us to heated quarrels, and when I conceded my errors, the episode was minimum, minimally unpleasant. As I admitted my mistakes immediately without any rationalizations, I saw it became easier. All my fears about doing so were illusions, and I felt emotionally lighter, and, and, and now I'm actually feeling the pleasure when I say, you are right, I made a mistake. So the three midas that we learned today that helps to build yourself and to build your marriage with your wife or your husband, is self-mastery. When a thought comes into your head, when you got upset at your husband and wife, to hold back and not say it. Sometimes even have the courage to say a warm, kind word. And also to forgive and not to harbor resentment 
and to admit the truth and to acknowledge when you're right, when you're wrong. And that is a tremendous sign of courage. And it's a sign of emotional strength. Bracha natzlacha.